Uh, tonight we have a great treat. Uh, tonight's speaker, she's a fiery woman of God, a beautiful woman of God that has inspired so many women in this house. So really excited. So let's let's welcome up Pastor Anita Newfield. Hello, everyone. Uh, everyone had a good time at the retreat? Yeah? It was really, really good, right? I think we can all uh, agree that it wasn't a retreat just for new recruits. It really wasn't. It was a retreat for everyone who was on leadership. And whatever expectations that we all went um, to the retreat with, I mean, God was faithful to really touch each and every one of us with a new level of revelation, a new level of freedom um, and intimacy with the Lord, right? Um, let me just ask you right now, even in just coming back from the retreat, is what the Lord has been doing in your life something that's good? What has the Lord been doing in your life? I don't know about you, but sometimes, especially when I don't have a retreat, when I don't have some sort of guest speaker that comes to minister in the house, when it's just sort of like a, a regular day in my life, a lot of times I kind of think, you know, randomly people will say, oh, hi, how are you doing? How are you doing? And my, my answer is like, I'm doing good. And they're like, no, no, no. How have you been doing? And I'm like, well, yeah, same old, same old. Everything's really good. And that's the only answer that I can give. And I, I, and I think... Sometimes, even a question that's so simple as, what has God been doing in your life, can really stump us. It can really stump us. Right now, at New Philly, we're in a year of increase, right? And it's already almost October. It's pretty crazy. I, I feel like it was just the other day when Pastor Christian preached that there is increase in Philadelphia and we're getting excited for this year of increase. And we've been contending and believing with faith that God was going to release increase into the house, right? We've been contending for attendance to increase, to go beyond the progression. We've been contending for more healings more manifestations of miracles on the missions field. We've been praying and contending for increase in marriages. Come on, right? We've been praying for marriages. We've been praying for all these things that are a sign of God's increase and promise to this house. And yet, when someone asks me, what has God been doing in your life? I'm like, well, he still has me waiting. Well, um, he's still good. And it's a very generic answer. And there's nothing that I can really pinpoint to say, I'm going to testify today that God is good, that he's doing something powerful in my life. And sometimes we have this tendency to look for major breakthroughs in finances, major breakthroughs in families. We, we tend to look for the grand stories in order to testify that God is doing something in our lives, Right? And yet I feel like God is saying, you got it all wrong. I am devoted and committed to your increase. I am devoted and committed to your increase in attendance, increase in glory, increase in, in the worship ministry, increase even in marriages. But there's something that far outweighs even all of those answers. And it's his desire 
to make each and every one of us look more like Jesus. I don't know about you, but I, I was praying for my marriage for a long, long time. And for me, I, I just started praying for my husband since I was 13. Yeah. And uh, God's answer was John Newfeld, so pretty good, right? Pretty good, pretty good. But when you're single and you're hopeful for an answer, hopeful for a marriage or, or for some prince, to, you know, Prince Charming to come into your life, there's just this element of not being satisfied in the Lord until you see his answer. The Lord isn't doing anything in my life right now. I believe him for it, but he's not doing anything right now. And we're so stuck in the answers for our prayers. We're so stuck in the material blessings. And God's saying, you know what? Even in the waiting, I'm doing something in your life. I'm doing a far greater work in your life. I'm making you look more like Jesus. And I just want to release a word of encouragement for anyone who's been really praying into marriage, anyone who's been praying into financial breakthrough, anyone who's been really praying uh, into uh, just career paths opening up for them, divine appointments opening up for them. I encourage you, God is set and committed to giving those answers to you. But he wants us to get one thing straight tonight. We don't wait for those answers in order to testify that God is doing a good work in us. We got to understand that God is doing a beautiful work in us right now. And it might not be a work that's all like on the outside and I can testify, whatever. But it's a work that is far more eternal. Right? And I want us to, from this day on, I want us to break out of the deception that God isn't doing anything in my life. That it's the same old, same old day. I go to work. I come back home. Go to bed. I go to work. Come back home. Go to bed. Go to small group. Go to church. And all that stuff. That everything is same old, same old. Because all you're doing is you're just testifying that God is not alive. But God is alive and he is at work in our lives on a daily basis. Amen. And so I just want to say... Even if you feel like you're in the same place you were two years ago, that's okay. That deception is going to be broken off today. We're going to realize that God has been working for the past two years, and he continues to work, and it's, it's a work that's far more weighty than anything you can see with your natural eyes. Amen? So I want you to turn to your neighbor. If you're ready to be encouraged today, turn to your neighbor and say, God is at work in you. Amen, amen. So let's turn right now to Philippians 1. Philippians chapter 1. And before we even go into the text, let me just briefly explain what's actually going on. Uh, Paul wrote this letter in prison. 
surprise, surprise, right? He's in prison, and he's writing this letter to the church of Philippi. And the purpose of this letter is to release joy and encouragement. Can I remind you that Paul is in prison, and he's writing this letter to encourage the church of Philippi. He's been beaten, he's been flogged, and he's been imprisoned. And right now he's kind of under house arrest, and he's in prison. And he's writing this letter to say, be encouraged, find joy in the Lord. There's something about him that we need to learn tonight. He knows something that we all need to know right now. I mean, can you imagine? He's an apostle, right? He's in prison. He's thinking, God, I'm an apostle. I shouldn't be in prison. I should be setting the captives free. I shouldn't be here. Why am I in this circumstance? Why am I in prison? Are you doing anything right now? Are you at work in my life? Can you not see the calling that you have placed on my life? But sometimes that's our response to the Lord. God, don't you understand the calling you've placed on my life? Aren't your plans and purposes going to be established? Aren't you committed to your plans and purposes? But you're not doing anything in my life. Why am I still here? What are you doing, God? Yet in this sort of circumstance that we all can relate to, Paul is saying, I write to you to encourage you and that you would find joy in the Lord. So there's something different about Apostle Paul that we need to learn from him tonight. Amen? All right, let's read from verses 1 to 11, and we'll alternate. I'll start. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. Oh, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And it is, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Uh, tonight, there's there's a lot that we can learn from just this uh, passage, but I want us to focus on verse 6. And in verse 6, it says, He, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In a nutshell, Paul is just saying that God, he began the work in you, and he's going to be faithful to the very end to accomplish it. He has full confidence. Paul has full confidence that God's going to do this. Whether we are ready for it or not, 
faithful in it or not, he's going to be faithful to carry out his good work in us until completion. And that should be encouraging. That really should be encouraging. Kind of like my husband kept on saying, you know, God's not like sanguines. I was like, what? Oh, like, no offense. Listen to me. Hear me out. He was saying, you know, God is not like sanguines in that sanguines get really excited about something. They're like some new idea and they get excited. They start it, but then they lose the passion. And a lot of times they don't finish their work, right? And not like, this is not to like, you know, okay, peace, love, come on, back focus. Hey, I, I'm a melancholy, okay? I am a hardcore melancholy. I think I'm like 95% melancholic. Uh, I know you never would have guessed, I know. Um, but as a melancholic, everything has to be perfect in order for you to take that first step. Right? And so in that way, God's not a melancholic either because he already took the first step for us. Um, nothing's in order in our lives right now, but he took that first step for us, right? So in that way, sanguines calm down. God is not a sanguine nor a melancholic. He's probably not choleric or sanguine. He's equally all of that, right? <laughs> He's phlegmatic. Okay, let's, let's, let's get over that. Let's get over that. Um, so back to the text. So it's saying that God is faithful to carry all his good works unto completion. And I have to sit on this verse and really, really be honest with myself. I've heard this verse so many times in my life. I recite it over myself. I prophesy it over other people. And yet, I have to be honest with myself. What is Paul talking about when he's talking about good work? What is this good work that God has begun in our lives and that he is carrying out right now and that he's going to be faithful to complete it in the end. I had to wonder, what is this good work? Is it a work of accomplishing passions and dreams and, and desires and purposes? And I just had to be real with myself. And that's really not what Paul is talking about. The good work that the apostle Paul is talking about here is actually salvation. That's the work that God is so faithful and committed to carrying out. And to be completely honest, when I, when I realized that the good work that the Apostle Paul was talking about was salvation, I was a little confused. Wait a minute. Is, once you're saved, aren't you saved? What do you mean carrying out a, a process, a work of salvation? What do you mean it's not complete yet? What do you mean? What, what do you mean where our salvation is a work in progress? I got really confused. And then I realized salvation is not just a salvation of your soul, right? The Lord releases salvation for our body, for our intellect, our emotions, our will. He saves all of us. He saves us in entirety. And so a lot of times when, some, when people say, what's your testimony? What, share your salvation story. And sometimes, let's be honest, when we said it a multiple times, within a span of a week even, it gets boring to you. And you're like, oh, okay, so this is my salvation story. So like in 1991, and, and all of a sudden there's no joy in your salvation, and it's just one, it's a, it's a history book. 
you know, there's no joy to that salvation. So many of us think of salvation as just that one day when we receive Christ into our lives, right? But salvation has more to do with more than just a salvation of our souls. It really does. And right now, I just want to present to you three questions that I had in my heart when I was reading this passage. And number one, what does Paul mean by good work? And I just explained it's salvation, right? Two, what does this good work look like when it's being carried out, when it's in the process of being carried out? And then three, what will this good work look like when it's totally complete, right? And it's, I just want to sort of reframe and redefine salvation to you. Salvation is so much more than just that day that you accepted Christ into your lives. That's like the first stage of salvation. I just want to present to you, there are three stages of salvation. And the first is what we know as justification and what we know as the day we were saved and brought into the kingdom of heaven. And that's what it is. It's, it's just being brought into right standing with the Lord. You didn't earn it. The Lord just gave it to you. The Lord loved you first, and therefore now you love him. We had no part to play in that. God took the initiative, and he saved us. That's what justification is. But I want us to understand also, sort of skipping the in the process part, but what does salvation look like? What does that good work look like when it's fully complete? And I want us to actually turn right now to 1 John 3, 2. 1 John 3, 2. And if we can all read it out loud together, 1, 2, 3. Are we really getting this? It says, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. That's what the ending story of our salvation looks like. It's the day of Christ. When Jesus returns, we see him and we're completely transformed into his image and we are made like him. That's what full salvation looks like. That's what God is committed to. He is committed to our salvation. He is committed to that good work of salvation that he's begun in us. And he's saying, I am committed to making you look like my son. I'm committed to making you look like Jesus. I'm not committed to making you look like Jeremy Lin in all his success. I'm not committed to making you look like the Apple guys in all their success. I'm not committed to just fulfilling your plans and purposes because look, after that's fulfilled, that's the end of it. But with our salvation, when we are made like Jesus, that's an eternal value there. So God's more committed to working in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Turn to your neighbors and say, I'm going to look like Jesus.
And now let's hear get, get to the second question that I pose. What does this good work when being carried out, what does it look like? And it looks like sanctification. And sanctification, let's be honest, isn't the most pleasant thing to hear. That from the day that we were saved and justified to the day that we are glorified, to the day that Jesus returns and we are resurrected, until that day, we're going to be sanctified over and over and over and over again. Some of us think, God, if you answer this prayer, if you give me my husband right now, I will profess of your good works. But beloved, when you get married, it's sanctification to the max. It really is. The Lord sanctifies you in all circumstances. And so we can't say that God is not at work in us because in every moment, whatever circumstance, whatever situation that we're in, he's working in us to make us look more like Jesus. We're not going to wait around for Jesus to return for us to look more like him. He's saying, behold the beauty of the Lord. Be transformed more and more in increasing measure to the image of God. That's what God is doing in our lives right now. So it is the biggest deception to say that God's not working in our lives. He's not moving in my life. He's only working in that person's life. You know, we came back from the retreat and I bet not everyone had the same experience. Not everyone was flopping on the ground under the power of God. Some people were crying. Some people were just receiving by faith. But to say that God is moving more powerfully in that person's life because there's a manifestation that is a complete deception. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. It's an inward work that the Lord is doing to make us look more like Jesus. What does it mean to look more like Jesus? For starters, fruit of the spirit. That's difficult. I know PC's always talking about his road rage. We know. We understand how difficult that can be. We always talk about the ajmas in the subways, nudging and budging and all sorts of things. And like, you know, especially for the foreigners, like the sisters, you know, Korean men looking at you and all this stuff. It's, it really sanctifies you. It really does. And so in every moment, when we identify what the good work is, that God is actually doing a work of salvation, making us look more like Jesus, we can't complain and lie to ourselves and lie to others and prophesy over ourselves, basically, that God's not moving in our lives. The feeling that you've been forgotten, the feeling like you've been abandoned, the feeling like God's moved on to a better daughter or God, moved, God has moved on to a better project... That feeling, that, that's totally messed up. It's not grounded in the word of God. God is at work in our lives at all times. Amen? Amen. And I just want us briefly, just to close our eyes, and I just want to release a word of encouragement. This might sound a little familiar to you, all of you guys, but soak it in, okay? This is really what is summarizing everything that I said, okay? Little by little, every day, little by little, in every way, my Jesus is changing me. Oh, yes, he's changing me. 
Since I made a turn about face, I've been growing in his grace. My Jesus is changing me. He's changing me, my precious Jesus. I'm not the same person that I used to be. Sometimes it's slow going, but there's a knowing that someday perfect I will be. I mean, you guys can all open your eyes now. That's a Sunday school song. And I'm pretty sure a lot of us saying that a lot. But this is really summing up what the good work that the Apostle Paul is talking about here. The good work to move in our lives every day, in every way, whatever circumstance, whatever situation. He's moving in us to change us, not to be more successful, not to have our breakthroughs, not to have our our favor testimonies. But to move in our lives to make us more like Jesus, to change us. That one day we're going to be made perfect as he is perfect. That's what the Lord's calling us to. And I know that part where it says sometimes it's slow going. Sometimes it's really slow, right? But we got to understand even though things might seem really slow and like things aren't moving or changing, God is still moving. God is still moving in us. Because in those times when you're getting frustrated when you're getting sort of impatient, exactly, God's growing patience in you. He's growing the character of Christ, the spirit, the fruit of the spirit in us. He's doing something in us. When he gives us certain small group members, when he gives us certain small group leaders, God is sanctifying us. Amen. When you're in a certain conversation with a coworker, God is sanctifying you. Don't say he's not moving in your life. He's doing something there. And God is putting more value on that work than any of the things that we place our value on. We place our value on very material, physical things. And that's important to us. It's important to the Lord, too. Yes, he's going to do those things. But I'm saying there's something even more weightier in the heart of God. And that's to see his sons and daughters look more and more like Jesus. So he's at work in our lives at all times. Right now, I just want to kind of talk about the retreat. And I thought it was really interesting how, you know, when um, last month, I guess, I joined prayer meeting to um, our friend. Can I say his name? So um, one of the main focuses of the sermon that was given to us was on purity. Remember that? And I was like, wow, like, I I thought New Philly was a pretty pure church. I thought we were pretty, like, you know, devoted to accountability and, and, you know, working towards purity. Um, But I just, even as I was sitting there listening to the message, I was like, there's, a, there's like a, a witness in my spirit right now. God is really calling us to more purity. But the way that the message was presented was not in a rebuking way. It really wasn't. It wasn't like there's so much disgust. There's so much sexual immorality in this church. And God is calling you to purity. He's calling you to repentance. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't the heart of the message. 
It was just like, be pure. Be so in love with the Lord that you cannot make allowance for the flesh. That was what Ellen Hood was basically calling us to. That God was calling us to through him. He was calling us to a new level of purity where it's not about, God, I didn't murder anyone. (laughs) Yet we have hatred in our hearts for our brothers. That's not okay with God. That doesn't look like Jesus to God. God's no longer content with New Philly. It's okay as, as long as you're not sleeping around anymore. I'm content with you guys. That's a great work that I've accomplished. But that's a a work that he has accomplished. It's past tense. What is he doing right now in that area? And I feel like the word for tonight is not just knowing what salvation means, not just knowing that, yay, one day we're going to be like Jesus, but to know that God is saying, I'm giving you the ability to become more and more like Jesus. I'm bringing you and calling you to a place of maturity where you're going to be more pure than just beyond the physical purity. It's going to be a pureness of your heart, where your heart is going to be void of all offense, like we heard at the retreat, where a heart is going to be void of all lust. It's going to be void of all unforgiveness because that has no place in the heart of Jesus and has no heart part in our hearts either, right? And I was thinking, Pastor Christian said the leadership retreat is not going to be another healing deliverance retreat. And then last minute, it became a healing and deliverance retreat, right? And I had to think, why did that happen? It did not happen by chance. It wasn't like Pastor Christian thinking, oh, Wait, I think that's a better idea to have H&D at this retreat. It was inspired by the Lord to make that move. And I had to think, why, Lord? Why did we have another healing and deliverance retreat? Why did our guest speakers, why did Kirk and, and, and Ronnie speak so much on healing and in deliverance? And I just felt like God was saying, it's not over yet. Like they were saying, we're like onions. There's layers to us. And God's not okay with us being content with yesterday's testimony. He's not content with what he's already done. He wants us to press forward to the things that he's doing right now. And I felt like in that way, that's why it wasn't just a retreat for the new recruits. I heard that in a lot of the small groups that didn't have healing and deliverance sessions, that in a lot of them, there were deeper depths of healing and deliverance going on during that time. And in that way, I want us to understand that we're a work in progress. And God is not rebuking us for not being pure enough, not being mature enough or whatever. He's not rebuking us, but he's saying, look, I'm committed to my work of salvation. I'm committed to making you look more like Jesus. And so will you take part in that? Will you move forward for maturity? Would you take that step to go beyond the victories of yesterday and go forward? And I know that in this room, there are leaders who have been on leadership with New Philly for a while now. And it might feel like you haven't grown much. It might feel like you're still bringing out the testimonies of yesterday and presenting it to people. When someone says, what's your testimony? You don't have a testimony of today. Your testimony dates back five, ten years from now, ago. And that can be really frustrating. But I just want to say God is at work in all of us. And it's not going to look the same in every season. It won't. For the new recruits too, 
It's going to begin to look different, but it's still going to be good. And it's going to be deeper. It's going to actually catapult you to deeper maturity and growth in the Lord. And it's going to make you look more and more like Jesus. And why do we want to look more and more like Jesus? That's how he's going to be glorified. That's how he's going to be glorified. And so I want us to sort of close our eyes right now and just begin to ask the Lord, God, what are you doing in my life right now? What have I not been able to see with my eyes of flesh, with the natural eyes? God, what are you doing in my life? What work of salvation are you doing in my life? What work of sanctification are you doing right now? What work are you doing to make me look more like Jesus right now? And to begin to thank him for the circumstances. Some of you guys are in situations in our workplaces with coworkers, relational issues there. Relational issues with leaders, fellow leaders in the house. There's different circumstances that all of us are in. But in it all, God is actually using it to make us more like him. He's using it to do a good work in us. And so it's not our turn to complain for the, for the trials, to complain that he's not doing anything in our lives. It's our time to actually wake up and, and think, God, you're actually doing something that's more eternal in my life right now. God, you're doing something that's deeper in my life right now. And I praise you. I actually, I don't just, I'm not just okay that I'm in this situation, but I actually thank you, God, that you brought this trial into my life. I actually thank you, God, that you're giving me an opportunity to to be perfected in love, to be perfected in character, to be perfected in self-control, to be perfected in, in gentleness and kindness. God, I thank you for this opportunity because, Lord, I know that as you give me this opportunity and as I come out of this looking more like Jesus, I know that you're going to be glorified. It's so awesome that God is so committed to making us look more like Jesus. In Philippians 2, it says that God is at work in us. He enables us to actually will and to work in accordance to his good pleasures. He's the one. Even if we're trying hard to be like Jesus, that's not going to accomplish anything. It's God who is moving in our lives to allow us to become like Jesus. So he's so set on it. So why don't we just come into agreement with him and say, God, yeah, I love what you're doing in my life. Though it kind of hurts, kind of hurts my pride. But Lord, I know that it doesn't even belong there. That pride doesn't even belong there. Lord, I thank you that you're doing a good work in my life. And so right now, just take a few minutes and just begin to ask God, what are you doing in my life? What have I not been able to see? And once the Lord begins to show you, whether it's through a testing or a trial, whatever it might be, whether if it's even through silence, whatever it may be, begin to thank the Lord for that opportunity. Because he's making you more and more like Jesus. And the more and more we are made like Jesus, the more and more he is glorified. So let's begin to ask God, what are you doing in in my life?
Father, I thank you that little by little you are at work in our lives. That you are so faithful to carry unto completion the great work that you have begun in us, God. I thank you that even right now, God, whether we were cognizant of it, whether we were able to identify it or not, that, Lord, you have been always working in our lives, God. And, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, this word comes to us as an encouragement, God, to say that you are working in the various circumstances that you have placed us in, God. Lord, whatever the circumstance Whatever the situation, God, I thank you that you are alive and are at work in our lives right now, God. And so, Lord, we give you thanks, God, for the opportunity to be made perfect as you are made perfect, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are perfecting us in love, that you are perfecting us in purity, that more than anything, that you are perfecting us in our affections towards you, God. Lord, I thank you that the plans and purposes that you have are good. And Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you are committed to them, that you will establish all your plans and all your purposes, God. But Lord, there is something that is greater than even that, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that there's something that goes beyond even your plans for the future, God. Lord, there's a plan of eternity that is set in us and is at work in us right now, God. So Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, I thank you that one day that we will be made perfect. That that day is coming soon where you will return for your bride, Jesus. And that we will see you and will be like you. Lord, would that be the desire and the prayers of our hearts, God? That our prayers would not just be so focused on breakthrough, focused on physical things, God. But that our heart, God, would just pour out with the desire to be more like you, Jesus. That you may be glorified. Lord, I thank you that as of this day, that new filling is graduating from an immature love. That new filling is graduating from an immature understanding of salvation and of grace, God. That, Lord, that you're calling us to a new level of maturity, God. That you're calling us to a new level of sanctification, God. And that, Lord, all the days of our life, that you're just increasing in us more of you, God. More and more of you, God. And Lord, right now, God, I just take up authority and I sever through every deception and every lie that says that we're not going anywhere, we're not heading anywhere, that we're stuck, that we're actually going backwards, that we're not doing anything, that you're not doing anything in our lives. I break off that lie right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare that you are accomplishing a beautiful work in us right now oh god and so lord i just pray right now an unveiling of our eyes an unveiling of our hearts to the beautiful work that you are doing in us god we want to be committed to you god we want to be committed to being more like you would that be that one desire of ours god Lord, I ask right now, God, just as the Apostle Paul released that apostolic prayer over the church of Philippi. Lord, I just ask right now that you would release over New Philly 
a love that may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that we may approve what is excellent so that we may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ that we may be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through you Jesus to the glory and praise of God Lord I just pray God that you would bring us to a mature love God Lord I thank you that you're calling us to new levels. It's not just an increase in the natural, an increase in numbers, but I thank you that it's an increase in your work that you're calling us to in this hour, God. We love you for the work that you have begun, and we thank you that you will bring it unto completion, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.